You are listening to the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Tony Meyer. For more information on other LifePoint Church resources, please visit www.livethemessage.org. The privilege of welcoming our guest, friend, Steve Pavic, uh, to LifePoint Church. Steve and I, we go way back um, to our years at North Dakota State University, uh, he came in my senior year. He came in as a freshman. I saw his life just turned upside down by Jesus. And uh, we were part of just a really unique move of God on that campus. Um, and God is using this man. Uh, he, him and his wife, they moved to Alaska several, year, several years ago to pioneer Chi Alpha at University of Alaska in Anchorage. And, uh, and they have a heart to see God move across that entire state. Uh, and he'll share more about that this morning. But I believe Steve has such a unique ministry that he's going to bring to our church this morning. He's been ministering all weekend long uh, to the Chi Alpha students out at Sunstream Retreat Center Friday, all day Saturday. And we were privileged enough to get him here this morning. So can you guys all give it up for my friend, for our guest, Stephen Pavic. Well, hey, good to be with you this morning, LifePoint Church. I want you to know that your pastor is... uh, is kind of, well, he, not kind of, he is legendary, all right? If you guys don't already know that, uh, Drew and Tanya were more myth than like real people when I was going to school as a freshman at North Dakota State University. We weren't really sure if they, they were like the celebrity couple in Chi Alpha that you kind of like watched. There was like celebrity gossip about them, like, oh, when are they going to get married, all this stuff. And, uh, and more than that, though, all joking aside, uh, they really set the standard at North Dakota State University for what dating looked like in a godly, God-honoring, Christ-centered way. Uh, and more than that, they were, they were, vi- <clears throat> excuse me, uh, they were vision carriers and they were vision casters for that ministry. Uh, they called us to pray and get on our knees and believe for God to do something big on our college campus. And, uh, and so just know that when, when, uh, when True and when Tanya talk to you about, about uh, making a difference, being a person of influence, uh, they, they don't just talk the talk, they, they have walked the walk in several different stages of their life. And so can we just love on them for just a second? Give them a round of applause. They're amazing. So thank you guys for your investment in my life and for... Uh, for paving the way and showing me how to do ministry at North Dakota State. It was the first step of, of my ministry path. So, well, hey, I want to uh, update you a little bit about what's going on in Alaska and uh, tell you a little bit about what we're doing uh, there in that great state. How many of you have ever been to Alaska before? Okay, uh, seven of you. Great. Uh, that is a shame. We, we need to do a better job. I, I, I really think that the Alaska... Uh, government should hire me as like a tourism uh, liaison to to people because I love inviting people to Alaska. I love pe- bringing people to Alaska. But uh, when I was a junior in college, I had the opportunity to spend a summer in Alaska, and uh, I was doing a ministry internship up there with the district youth director. And when I got up there, I realized that the University of Alaska Anchorage was home to about 17,000 students, and there was not a single Christian ministry on that campus. 
I was at North Dakota State at the time where uh, I was involved with Chi Alpha. I loved college ministry, but I could have chosen from one of about 12 different ministries to be a part of. And here's this school in Alaska with 17,000 students and nothing going on for community, for Christ-centered community, or anything happening to lead people to Jesus. And, and it started to break my heart, and the Lord started to speak and shape some things in my life and tell me that may, maybe, just maybe, that that was in my future. And four years later, my wife and I, after being married for just eight months, responded to the call of God to move to Alaska to plant Chi Alpha at UAA. And we started in our living room, and God has done a great work we started cold calling college students whose numbers we got from pastors saying, hey, we're not creepy, but we'd like to buy you a cup of coffee. And we start casting vision for what it would look like to have Christ-centered, evangelical, evangelistic uh, community on a college campus. And we start talking about about how that this is the most strategic mission field in the entire world. And students started to catch on. And what started as a small group in our living room, today has grown to about 200 students actively involved at the campus of UAA. We have watched in the last five years, 100 students get baptized at UAA. 100 students have been trained into how to make disciples and start leading small groups. We have 43 leaders on campus right now. This year, we are so excited. We've started to send students other places and so we started a ministry training internship and this year we have a student giving a year to missions in India we have a student giving a year to missions at Colorado State University and we just sent one of our former interns to go do Chi Alpha and join a team at Wake Forest University and so what's happening in Alaska is starting to spread around the nation and the world and God is doing a great thing praise God right that's awesome But what I want to ask you to pray for this morning is that we would continue to have influence in our state. I have a map of Alaska we can put up there. Uh, okay, so many of you have not been to Alaska, so I just need to put something out there and gain, help you gain some perspective here. Uh, so from the east side of Alaska to the very westernmost island of Alaska, to give you an idea of how big this place is, that would be like going from Georgia to from North Dakota to Texas. And if you look at this map, you see the little black lines on there? Those are the only roads that exist in our entire state. When I come to, uh, no, no joke, I looked this up. Iowa has, uh, has 10 times as much road service as the state of Alaska, even though Alaska, you could fit 15 Iowas in the state of Alaska, all right? So what happens is, is in these remote places, people live out there, thousands of people live out there, and in these remote, isolated villages, there are 100 villages, 100 communities without a consistent gospel witness. What that means is that there might be a church building, but there's no pastor. Pastors blow in and out of town. Ministries blow in and out of town. And what is left is a, is a community of people that struggle with an amazing amount of hopelessness. We have, uh, we have some of the highest suicide rates in the world. We have some of the highest sexual abuse rates in the world, domestic violence, alcoholism, substance abuse. I cannot begin to describe the amount of hurt 
that we have students come to our campus with after have been living in some of these situations that they grow up in. And when the Lord spoke to me as a junior in college, I, I, I asked him, I said, God, what is going on? You, you, you called me to Alaska. You're, you're calling me to Alaska, but why have you broken my heart for the college campus and also broken my heart for the rural places of Alaska? I remember telling God, you got to make up your mind here. Where do you want me? And he spoke very specifically to me, and he said, Steve, I've called you to college ministry in Alaska because I want to use campus ministry to impact every single corner of this state. And today, this year, we actually have our first Alaskan native student from one of these villages leading a small group making disciples on campus. Isn't that awesome? We're believing that she's going to go back to her home as a, as a disciple maker. But not just that, we are, we are also believing for God to call people to these places. And this year, we have started a, a, uh, an initiative within our ministry training internship called Alaska Student Partnership. I believe we have a graphic for that. And what this is, is we believe that God is going to call Chi Alpha alumni from around the nation to come to Alaska to be marketplace bivocational missionaries out in these villages. You see, every single year in Alaska, well, a couple years ago, I got a call from one of my friends who works at the school district. And he said, Steve, do you have any Chi Alpha alumni that could come teach out in the village of Nowixit? And uh, I said, uh, no, not right now, not quite yet, but maybe in the future. And he said, well, Steve, if you do, we have nine teacher openings in the village of Nuiqsut next year. The village of Nuiqsut only has 10 teachers. And I started to think, whoa, wait a minute. What if, what if four or five of those positions got filled by Chi Alpha alumni? What if they went out there with a purpose? You see, there's not a church in Nuiqsut. There's no pastor in Nuiqsut. What if they went out there and said, I could have, I could have my living room be a church build to start a relationship which could lead to discipleship. We believe that this is the answer for doing missions in Alaska, and we believe that God's going to use this. And so please pray for us as we start this. We, I kind of pitched this idea to college students this weekend, and a bunch of them were excited about it. We're going to be traveling this winter uh, to a bunch of regional Chi Alpha conferences to pitch this. And if you could just pray with us for God to open the hearts of students and of, of uh, future Chi Alpha alumni to say yes to using their degree with maybe a little bit greater degree of purpose. That would be awesome. All right? So pray for us in Alaska. We believe God's doing something really awesome. We're going to jump in to the word this morning. Thank you so much for letting me update you on what has happening. If you guys would like to get on our newsletter list, please come talk to me afterwards. We'd love to get you on our email newsletter list so you can know how to be praying for us in this journey. We have prayer cards this morning as well. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We pray that you would open our hearts to receive from you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, since moving to Alaska, uh, I have realized that Alaskans all have something in common. They're kind of like risk takers, you know. Uh, I've realized that there are a lot of ways to die in Alaska, really, is what I've realized, all right? I, I mean, it literally, it's like every time I go outside, it's like, whoa, that was a near-death experience. 
I mean, I've almost had trees fall on top of me. I've had bears steal fish from 20 yards away from me. I've had, I mean, I've had moose chase me. While, while I'm just going for a ski, I was going cross-country skiing in town one day, and I got chased by a moose, and a moose almost killed my dog. It was terrible, right? It's like you can't escape it. It's not like we're off in the boonies. I mean, this was in a park in town. It was ridiculous. In order to live in Alaska, you got to be a risk taker. And I believe that, that risk taking really is, is something that as Christians, all of us need to be willing to do. And uh, I think that some of the greatest things in history have been accomplished by people. Oh, and you can take that logo down. That's okay. We're gonna, we can get to that later. Uh, some of the greatest things in history have been accomplished by risk takers, right? I mean, nothing great ever really happens unless people step out and say, I'm going to boldly go where no other man has gone before, right? I, one of my favorite uh, non-spiritual speeches of all time was when uh, JFK convinced an entire nation that it was a good idea that we should go send a man to the moon, right? And what did he say in that speech? There's a line in that speech that it inspires me. He says, uh, we, we're, I'm going to try my JFK impersonation here. Is that okay? All right. So he said, we choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon and do these other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard, right? I mean, it was like, okay, this is so, like, yeah, like, yeah, we're Americans. We do hard things. Let's go to the moon, right? And we took a risk and something great was accomplished. You see, I think as Christians, if we can take risks, if people can take risks, great risks in this world, then how much more as, as should we as men and women of God, who has a God who says, hey, when I call you into something, I don't just have your back. I'm not just beside you, but I've gone before you, and I've prepared good works in advance for you to do. Literally, all you need to do is just show up, and the miraculous is going to happen because I'm going to take care of it. How much more should we be risk takers as men and women of God? You see, I don't think that the risk, the definition of risk is a exposure to the chance of injury or loss. But I, I, I encourage you this morning, as Christians, we actually don't take risks. We just accept challenges that God has put before us. Because even the greatest risk, man, if God calls you into something really, really difficult, the worst thing that can happen to you is that you die, Right? Most of the time, it's more like, oh, I just lost a little bit of money, or, or I stretched myself financially, or maybe I, I, I put my reputation on the line. But the worst thing that can happen to you as a Christian is that you die, and guess what? Even if you die, you still win, right? So literally, we can't lose. There's always going to be a return on our investment, and so... How do we get there? How do we make sure that we are men and women of God who are seeing the reward and not the risk, and that we can become risk takers for the kingdom of God? Well, if you guys have your Bibles, I'll have you turn open to Acts 8. Acts 8. We're going to talk about Philip and the Ethiopian. Put this into a little bit of context as to what's going on in this passage. We have uh, Philip was, well, back up a little bit farther. So we have this guy named Stephen who uh, preached the gospel and ended up getting 
getting killed for preaching the gospel. He became the first martyr for Jesus. And right after that happened, it says that a great persecution broke out in the early church. And what happened was it caused everybody to scatter and, uh, and run kind of for their lives. But, and what the devil thought was going to be a great thing, God turned it around and used it as good. Because every single place these people scattered, they went and preached the gospel. And Philip went to this place called Samaria. And when he got to Samaria, he preached the gospel. And literal revival broke out, Right? Like people start getting saved and set free and they, they, there was such a, it was such an incredible move of God that they sent Peter and, and to this place and, and people start getting baptized in the Holy Spirit and all this great stuff was happening and Philip was right in the middle of it, man. He was a revivalist, he was an evangelist, he was doing all this great stuff and then all of a sudden God just kind of throws a wrench in the whole thing. And in verse 26, an angel of the Lord visits Philip And said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I? He said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now, don't you wish that everybody was just like this ready to accept Jesus, right? Listen to what he's reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. He was literally reading a portion of scripture that was prophesying about Jesus. This was a tailor-made divine appointment, right? I mean, completely orchestrated by the Lord. The The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is this prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down to the water, and Philip baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Philip of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. And then we see that Philip went on to different cities and traveled around preaching the gospel and ended up in this place called Caesarea. All right, so what can we learn from Philip? I believe that Philip was a risk taker for God. And I think there's some things that we can learn from this story And if we apply them to our lives, we too can become risk takers. And listen, I, 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 before, I just need to put a disclaimer out there. The goal of this message is not to have you all move to Alaska, all right? So just take a deep breath. Everybody's risks are going to be different. But I believe God's going to speak to us this morning about some things that, or remind us of some things that he's been speaking to us about maybe for a long time and say, hey, it's time to step out in faith in this area of your life. Amen? All right. So the first thing we need to do, really all of these things, I got four of them this morning for you, are all about how we look at risk. 
and how we look at a situation that God's called us to. And the first one is this, is that we need to stop looking for rationale. We need to stop looking for rationale. When God calls us to something, it's not always going to make sense. Philip left a dynamic ministry to go into the middle of nowhere. Now, I want you to think about this for just a second. He was having revival break out in Samaria, all right? Word was getting around that a great move of God was happening. Philip was probably on the verge of getting some sort of interview and uh, maybe a great book deal or something like that, right? Like, wow, this great revivalist, how did you do it, right? But instead of staying where it would have been comfortable, God called him into the middle of this desert. Had he ran this by people in his life, they probably would have said that he was crazy. Why would he leave? Now, another disclaimer, I think when God calls us to something, it is good to use wisdom and common sense, and it's good to run things by editors in our lives, but the way that we as Christians spend our resources is never going to make sense to the world. We have to understand that there is a cost associated with advancing the kingdom of God. There's going to be a financial cost. There's going to be a cost of energy. There's going to be a cost of time. There might even be a cost of your reputation. There is going to be a cost associated with this that is not going to make sense to the people around us, but it is always going to be a worthwhile investment. And are we willing to stop looking for the rationale? I, uh, when Aaron and I were, were praying about moving to Alaska, uh, we had this opportunity come up that this, this uh, nonprofit offered me a job to come and work in Alaska. And I said, well, I really would love to start Chi Alpha. And they said, yeah, we'll, we'll work it out so that you have time to be able to do that. And, and I said, okay, this sounds like maybe this is from the Lord. And we started to pray. And they called me and they said, Steve, by the way, there's a, there's a catch uh, just need to, need to be real with you. Uh, we have a salary to pay you for the first year that you're here, but the second year is a little foggy. We're not sure if the money's going to come in or not. I was like, well, great. So I had been married. I've been married for like literally three months at this time, and I'm supposed to be like this strong man, you know, provide for my family, hoo-ah, right? And all this stuff. And, uh, and I was like, oh, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if this is wise. I don't know if this is the right thing. I all these other things. And Aaron and I went to, a, went to an all-night prayer meeting that we were having at, at NDSU with our students. And we were praying corporately uh, during a portion of the night. And, uh, and after that corporate prayer, one of our students came up to us. They had no idea that we were praying about any of this or that Alaska was, was on the radar. They came up to us and they said, Steve I, and Aaron, I feel like God gave me a word for you. And I said, all right, that's awesome. Bring it on. And she said, you know, I just, as I was praying for you guys, I saw a, just a mental picture in my brain of both of you. And you were about to step out onto a ladder. And you were hesitant to step out onto the ladder because you could only see one rung of the ladder. And the second and the third rungs weren't there yet. And I just felt like God wanted me to tell you that he's gone before you and the second rung is there and you don't need to worry about it and it might look different than what you expect, but you can step out onto the first rung of that ladder in faith knowing that God is going to take care of the second and third and the rest of the rungs of the ladder. And she goes, does that make sense? <laughs> I 
I'm like crying at this point. I go back and I sit down uh, in, in, the, in the pew next to Erin and I look at her and she's got this smile on her face. I'm like, what do you think of that? She goes, I'm ready to move now. <laughs> it's like, sweet. Guys, God has gone before you. He's prepared the rungs of the ladder for you. It's not always gonna make sense, but it's always gonna be worth it. The second thing that risk takers do is that they stop looking for convenience. So it's not always going to make sense, and it's not ever really going to be convenient. Philip, I did some research on where Philip was called to go in this passage. The road that he was to travel to from where he was was about 60 miles away. And it doesn't say that he like got in some sort of SUV or some ATV and traveled across the desert, right? He was probably going to walk there on foot. And not to mention that it was in the desert, which meant that it was going to be hot and dry and arid, right? And so he had to walk 60 miles. And according to scripture, maybe the angel gave him more specific instruction, but according to scripture, he did not get a mile post number in which to go stand by. The road that he was called to go to was a road that was approximately 45 miles long. So not only did he have a 60-mile journey just to get to the road, but then once he got there, he was going to probably have to search 45 miles of this road, having no idea where to go. And God orchestrated it all exactly perfectly to have him in the right place at the right time. When God calls us to do things, it's not going to probably be at a convenient time, right? If it, was at a, if it was perfectly rational and at a perfectly convenient time, it would require zero faith from us. I think sometimes we, we look for a convenient time to take a step for God, right? Okay, well, as soon as I get that raise then I'll be able to give more to missions. As soon as the kids are done with soccer, then I'll be able to invest more time at my church. As soon as the kids are out of the house, then I'll be able to do this, that, or the other thing. As soon as work settles down, then. And we have all of these, as soon as this happens, then I'll do this. And I think sometimes in our lives, we walk through life expecting a change in season to suddenly change our character character. And it doesn't work that way. The best time to make a character shift or a habit shift or a spiritual discipline shift in your life is today. And the only way it happens is if we say yes to God to making that shift today. I'll never forget when I was a freshman at North Dakota State University, Drew Meyer got up at his senior night speech and looked at the, across the room, and I'll never forget what you said, Drew. You said, guys, never again are you going to have this opportunity. Never again will you be in a place where people are more open to receiving and figuring out what the truth of life is about. Never again will you be in a position in which people are going to have more flexibility and more availability in their life. Make the most of this opportunity. And it was in that moment that something just clicked. And I was like, yeah, why would I ever want to, why would I ever do anything else other than do everything in my power while I'm going to school to make sure that those around me have a chance to know Jesus? It was in that moment that college ministry all of a sudden just completely made sense. It wasn't convenient for your pastor to leave 
a job as a nuclear engineer to go plant a Chi Alpha at Iowa State. That wasn't probably like a super financially wise decision, you know? Well, fiscally, it just makes sense to be a missionary, right? No! It wasn't convenient to move across the country. It wasn't convenient to uproot their family. It wasn't convenient. But God spoke, and he said yes. The third thing that we need to do as risk takers is that we need to see the reward and not the risk. We need to see the reward and not the risk. See, I believe that there's two different types of people in this world, one type of person, I have, I have a, a diagram that I designed myself on Microsoft Paint, okay? So uh, if we could put that first one up there. Some people see the risk involved is so big that they never see the reward on the other side. And this will always cause us to walk away. And we make the reward, when we're able to see the reward as bigger than the risk, then all of a sudden the risk involved becomes a necessary stepping stone in which we just have to get past or around. So how do we do this? Well, the only way I know how to do this is that we need to think in terms of eternity. You see, when we start to invest in the kingdom of God, the return on our investment is eternal. Therefore, it's infinite. Have we dwelled on eternity lately in the fact that when I invest my life into somebody else's life, that the return on my investment could potentially be a difference in eternity? There is no other investment in this life that could potentially give you an infinite ROI, all right? There's no other investment. You might have some investments that are really, really great, but there's no such thing as an infinite return on your investment except for kingdom investment. Are we willing to see the fact that eternities are going to be changed when we invest in the kingdom of God? When we went to UAA, I remember God started to grow our ministry, and every single week the devil would give me the same exact lie. I would be excited about these things that would be happening, and Chi Alpha started to grow. And I remember this one, this one day, there was 40 people at Chi Alpha, and I was like, man, revival, right? Like, this is awesome. And I remember driving home that night, and I was like, man, this is great. And all of a sudden, the devil started whispering in my ear, Steve, what are you excited about? Really? 40 people? You're up here in Alaska. No one knows who you are, where you are, what you are. You're completely forgotten about. You're completely insignificant. What you're doing here isn't ma mattering. He said, you know that message you preached tonight? You could have preached that to 400 back at North Dakota State University had you just stayed there. And you're excited that 40 people heard the word of God? Oh, that's nothing. And I know it sounds ridiculous, but... Most lies from the devil are ridiculous when we audibly you know, say them. But it was in my head, and it was going around in my head. And so I finally brought it before the Lord, and he said, Steve, you got some issues here. <laughs> Your math is all wrong. And he challenged me, and, and, and he said something to me that I'll never forget. He said, Steve, what is, what is 400 times infinity? I said, well, it's infinity. He said, yeah, it's infinity because I love every single student at North Dakota State infinitely. And how much do you think I love every single student at UAA? I said, well, you're God. You love them, in you love them infinitely. 
So, well, what's 40 times infinity? Oh, it's infinity. And then he said something that will forever change my life. He said, Steve, I am far more concerned about your level of obedience than I am about your perceived level of earthly influence. Infinity is infinity is infinity. When we invest into the kingdom of God, no matter what our investment is, when we have a return on investment that is infinite, it is always worth it. The last thing that risk takers do is that they look for the launch. They look for the launch. You see, when we take risks, things change in our lives. We run back into Philip about 20 years later in the book of Acts, and guess where he's at? He's in Caesarea still, and he's got a bunch of daughters that prophesy over Paul. He's developed a legacy, obviously, in Caesarea. He's a man of God who is obviously serving Jesus and running the race well. There was a purpose, I believe, that God had for him in that city, and he was, had stepped into that purpose all because he decided to take a risk and leave something sure in Samaria and go and reach someone in the middle of the desert. I believe there's some people in this place this morning, you've been hoping for God to move in your life in a big way, do some sort of miraculous thing. My question for you is, are you willing to put yourself in a position in which you need a miracle if you want to see a miracle? You see, miracles happen when we need miracles, right? But if we never put ourselves in a position in which we need a miracle, a miracle is probably not going to happen. I, I believe that when we take risks, things change in our lives. You see, challenges in our lives create a, what I would call spiritual friction in our lives. When God calls you to do something that's like, oh gosh, that is uncomfortable for me. No, I, I, I can't talk to that coworker. I can't, I can't invite them. I can't do this. I can't, I, I can't give in that way. I can't give in my time that way. It creates friction in our lives. And when friction, what does friction do? A byproduct of friction is heat. It creates spiritual friction, creates spiritual heat. And when our souls get heated up, then and only then can we be moldable and shapeable and malleable to, for God to shape us into the man or woman of God that he had destined for us to come. But see, what happens sometimes is we get so complacent and so stuck, and we're like, God, come on, and we are waiting for the next thing, and we're waiting for the next thing, and we think that, oh, somehow, well, this next service, maybe God will touch me, or this next thing, this, this next meeting, or this next speaker, maybe God will have a word for me, or someone will have a word for me at church, when God's like, no, no, listen, it is time to get into the game and get into the trenches, and it is in that that you will find a new aspect of my character and be, have, be revealed a new depth of my intimacy and a new depth of my dependency that you have for me. And it's in that is when we grow, and the worship team can come back up. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what risk God has called you to this morning. But I believe that a powerful thing happens when we become risk takers. Our college students, we challenge them with this all the time. That God is never going to shape you into the person that you're destined to become unless you are putting yourself in a position in which you are dependent on the Holy Spirit to move. I always want to live my life in a place that unless God shows up, 
I'm going to be significantly in trouble, right? We, uh, I'll never forget, we were, when we planted Chi Alpha, we had moved three and a half thousand miles away from home, didn't know anybody. It was our first night of Chi Alpha. We had invited a bunch of people. The, the burgers were ready to go out on the grill. The fire had been lit. The volleyball net was set up in the backyard. Like we were ready for a party, right? And, uh, and we invited people over just to hang out at our house for the first night. And we got everything set up. And then all of a sudden there was like this calm before the storm. And I looked at Aaron, my wife, and I said, are we, we got everything ready? She said, yeah. And we made eye contact, and it was like this beautiful moment. I saw like the excitement and the fear in her eyes all at the same time. She goes, Steve, I'm scared. Like kind of worrisome smile on her face, and she goes, Steve, I'm scared. And I looked at her, I said, me too. <laughs> You see, there's this moment, this calm before the storm, like, what if this doesn't work? <laughs> what if this is a total fail? What if nobody shows up? What if we just moved three and a half thousand miles, bought a house in Alaska, and did all this stuff, and none of this works? And I went over to her, and I gave her a hug, and we prayed together, and it was in that moment that I realized that it was me, my wife, and Jesus, and I don't know that Aaron and I have ever had a more intimate moment with Jesus together ever in our lives. And I believe that there was a glue that happened in my and my me and my wife's relationship during that time, and and it was just a really beautiful thing. And 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 I'll never forget that. And I'll never forget that moment. And it has it, I've thought of it often as God has called Aaron and I into different things. That man, that is where I want to live my life. That Jesus, either you got to do something, or this is going to crash. So if you would stand with me in this place as we close in prayer. If you need prayer for a risk that God has called you to, you need someone to come alongside of you, there's going to be prayer teams up front here that would love to pray for you, but I just want to invite you for two things this morning. If you're here this morning and your big step is that you need to start a relationship with Jesus, I can guarantee you that it is worth it. That the return on your investment of making that decision is in eternity with him in heaven. And if that's you this morning, as we bow our heads in this place, as we pray, if you need to make a decision to accept Jesus, just raise a hand in this place so I know who I'm praying for. Is that for anybody? All right. If that is for you, you want to make that decision, I encourage you to find Drew or to find Tanya after the service or, and, and to talk to them about how to make that decision and, and what that means and what to do next. But if you're here this morning and you say, I want to be a risk taker for the kingdom of God, just raise a hand in this place. Awesome. My hand's up with you. I'm going to pray an anointing over us to be able to do that. God, I pray that you would anoint us to be risk takers, that we would be people who would be ready for some spiritual friction in our lives, that we would see the reward and not the risk. God, I bind the area that we would be able to boldly step out in confidence into what you've called us to. 
And Lord, I pray that people in here, as they take a risk with their energy, as they take a risk with their reputation, with their time, with their finances, Lord God, that you would make their soul malleable to be changed forever. And that the next risk they are called to would be that much easier to say yes to, even if it's bigger than the previous one. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information about LifePoint Church, please visit www.livethemessage.org.